Well, that was quite a worship time. I could do those kind of times. Anybody else like that? Just God doing his work. Amen. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. I think that's a good song for altar time. There is power in the name of Jesus. Anybody believe that? There's a song with that too. Break every chain. Well, I don't know where to begin really after that kind of... Uh, how about we just jump into Acts chapter 3? How's that? Um, this, this word power is used in different ways. Uh, in physical strength. Hey, there's even a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. So I guess uh, mental power, mental strength. Um, we don't call our utility bill that or electric bill. We usually call it the power bill. Um, you know, thank the Lord for those guys who uh, invented electricity or discovered electricity. They didn't invent it, they discovered it. Uh, I think there's a movie. I, I really want to see the uh, battle of the two uh, geniuses behind all of that innovation. Sure, I'm glad for the guy who's thought about how to create air conditioning and all that, central heat and air. Amen? You know, we, grew, we uh, started our marriage in Florida, and my bright idea to buy a car without air conditioning was quickly exposed as a really stupid move. So I thought I was saving money. I ended up paying for somebody to install one. So, uh, but we need power. Let me ask you this. This is a question I want to ask you. Shane has my notes up there, so it's, he, he can judge whether I follow my notes. It's for him to know where the scriptures are going. Um, can we have more power? You don't have to answer that. Uh, just think about it. Can we have more power of God than what we have right now? I just want you to think about it. Is it possible to have more of the power of God than what you have right now? Now, the question is somewhat misleading because we think power comes from us, or that we have something to do with how much of the power of God we have, right? How much we pray, how much we fast, how, you know, we kind of like God turns up the wattage of that power in our lives if we, right, it becomes kind of dependent on us, and we think that way. Whether, whether we want to admit it or not, we think, well, I, I need more of the power of God. Um, if we look at the results of, of how things pan out, I think we'll probably say, yeah, we need more of the power of God. But in reality, here's the reality. You are not the source of the power of God in your life. I'm not the source of the power of God in my life. Who is the source of the power of God in our lives? God. So is there any variables with God? According to what James wrote, there's no variableness with him. He is the constant. So does he just bring a little bit of his power into our lives, or does he just bring his power, and it's there inside of us through his presence, and we, uh, we're struggling to see how that comes out in results, right? The common denominator that we all have when it comes to this is that we all have the name of Jesus. 
We all have the name of Jesus. That's why I love this story in Acts chapter 3. And if you're, and if you're there, I want you to follow this with me. I love this story, but it's just kind of different things of it just spoke to me. So I want to share this with you. Um, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was a common time for them to pray. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he is put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Some translation says rise and walk. And actually the word is there for rise, get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, uh, this is Peter taking him by the right hand. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit. Don't you like that word, who used to sit? <laughs> who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Let me just go back and retract this with you just for a moment. Points of interest. Peter and John is on their way to prayer. Do you think that had something to do with this taking place? It's kind of interesting how God just puts prophetic things right in front of you. You know, Brenda and I had a chance to pray with a, a University of Alabama student. And he's the one that asked us to pray for him. It's a, it's a little bit more of a story I'm going to share. But here we are getting to pray for Alex. I wished I had something with Kai off on it. I, I just so I should have given that guy something about Kai Alpha, but we had a chance to pray. But they're, they're, when you're doing what God wants you to do, he just gonna, he's going to let you bump into places that you didn't expect, and something neat is going to come out of that. What happens when they arrive at the temple grounds, and, but, and remember, when you read this story, Peter and John, they do not initiate this conversation. They're going to pray. And quite possibly, they would have went on to pray if the guy hadn't stopped them and asked for money. Hey, you got some, can you help me out here? Anybody in here ever been asked for money? <laughs> if you've been in many different places, you're going to be asked for, hey, you got a couple of dollars for, I'm, I'm hungry, I need something to drink, whatever. Well, this guy, this was his life. This is how he lived. So people expected him to ask them for alms. And it's as though, I, you know, you read the story and it says Peter and John looks at him. And then the next thing that they do is look at us. I think maybe, just maybe the pause that they didn't say anything or do anything, maybe he was eyeing the next prospective person. Because why would he say, look at us? And then the man really thought, yeah, this is going to be a, I'm going to get something from these guys. And the very next words that came out of Peter's mouth is that we're broke. Not what he wanted to hear. He says, we don't have any, 
money. We don't have any silver and gold. But he said this, what I do have, I'm going to give you. And it's almost like it's, there's no pause here. It's just like this is happening really quick. What I do have, I give you. And this is what I have. I have the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And it's almost as though Peter, like, this is going to happen. He reaches down, grabs the man, begins to help him up, and everything begins to change. This guy has no idea, just seconds before all this happens, that his life is going to be radically changed forever. He was crippled from birth. And if you've seen anybody that did not have the use of their legs, the, uh, the atrophy, the atrophy that sets in is horrible. He could not walk from birth. He could not have any movement of his feet or his ankles. It must have been that's where he was crippled is in his feet and ankles. And it says he, these ankles and bones got strength. Power came into his ankles and he... Jump to his feet. You know, nobody had ever shown him how to do that. But innately, he jumps to his feet. He starts praising God. I think I would too. Running, jumping, praising God. And I want you to look at verse 11. When the man held on to Peter and John, everybody knows this guy. They recognize him. He grabs onto them. He kind of becomes codependent with them. There's people that kind of do that when you help them out. They become codependent. But they grab on, he grabs on to Peter and John, and the people are all astonished. They come running in the midst of where they were at in the Solomon's colonnade. It must have been an open setting. So here all these people start. And I love what verse 12 says. Peter saw this, and he said to them, Fellow, fellow Israelites, and, and follow this with me, why does this surprise you? Now, why did he say that? Why should you be surprised that this happened? I think it's because they knew that those guys, along with 10 others, used to travel for three years around the countryside, and these things happened all the time. And in Peter's mind, why should you be surprised that this happened? Why do you stare at us? This is an important question in verse 12. Everything I want to share really kind of zeroes in on 11 and 12. Peter saw this, and he said, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? Watch the, watch the wording here. As if by our own power, our godliness, we had made this man walk. What is he saying? We had nothing to do with this. And this is where I think we think when healings take place is the instrument that it takes place through, that we kind of elevate the instrument. And this is what he said. We didn't do this. We were just there to watch. It, our power is not our power. What about our godliness? And this is not the same word for righteousness. This is like piety, pious, this external show of religion. He says, whatever you think we are, that is not what is working here. And this is the very reason people come to believe when, when they see miracles happen, they elevate the person that... And maybe it's praying for people. That's why I like about Dale Everett. You, the last time he was here, he, he just says, I'm not going to lay hands on you. During the service, God is going to... And it kind of like awakens faith in people, does it not? 
And I think he got to the point where I don't want people to think if I lay hands on them, they're going to be healed. Or if I, if I don't lay hands on them, they're not going to be healed and they're not going to be prayed for. They're not going to be healed. He's just wanting them to know that the power of God is there to heal them. With or without us. And we think much in the same way that if we don't have it come through, that we, we lack power, we lack anointing, we lack access to God. Look down in verse 13 because what follows is that Peter gives this great gospel presentation and, and it's really kind of like a John the Baptist message. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. Even a pagan ruler knew that this man hadn't done anything wrong. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for our murder to be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And look at verse 16. If you want to underline a verse, this explains what happened with that man's ankles and feet. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, not by our power, not by our godliness, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you... Is it... Shouldn't we expect by that name things happen? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. You recognize this man. You know what he used to be. He used to sit right here begging. He's been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith. And here's what really releases. I just believe when, when we have Christ, we have everything we need in us. And his power is in us. His power is in us. What, what we start thinking is that we have, some, we have some kind of role to play that depends on how we are functioning. And the only thing we have to function is, is that little word faith. Faith in his name. This is not much different from Peter's explanation on Pentecost. He just, he took the opportunity to preach the gospel and that's what he's doing here. He said, we didn't heal this man. He wasn't made well by our power. It was the power of Christ. And the power is in the name of Jesus. I want you to look down to verse 19 because he gets to this point and he's preaching to them. And, and, and now he's like mentioned Moses, Samuel, prophets, Abraham. But he says to them, repent then, turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This man standing right next to him who's been healed and he's telling them, you see this, repent and God will wash away your sins. And he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. My question about power is really not about our power, it's about the power of God. Does some people have greater power than others? Does some people have greater power than others? We tend to think that. Maybe the anointing, this commotion. I, I want you to take the go to verse or, or chapter four, verse one, because I'm just going to track verse four. What happens and and after he preaches the gospel, this commotion gets the attention of the same people that didn't like Jesus, the Sadducees, the priests, the temple security people. They all show up, and they're really they're not they're not really disturbed about the man being healed. What are they disturbed about? They're disturbed about the message. 
and something specific about the message. The resurrection. It says there, they were disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. In verse 2, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe that, and yet that was the core of why Jesus was raised from the dead. To show them that they could have eternal life. They hoped that that would dissipate once they got rid of him. And lo and behold, God raised him from the dead, and it was on. 3,000 people became part of this community of faith, and now it's kind of like, it's almost like an afterthought in, in chapter 4 that says, well, you know, those people that responded after Peter and them got through ministering was about 5,000 people. Not bad. Not bad for a membership Sunday. About 5,000 of the people that ran into that colonnade and saw that man and heard the message believed beyond the, beyond the miracle. And this is not going away. This is just picking up steam. And so the, the telling thing is when they bring Peter and John in front of them because they just held them overnight, arrested them, put them in jail. They brought them out the next day, and this is verse 7. By what power? See, they're thinking that way. By what power? They're talking about what kind of power did you use? How did you do that? And what name did you do this? They're thinking, what? how did you do this? We understand this, guys. We know who he is. We know that he's healed. It's like We can't understand this, but how did you do that? What kind of power did you use? Whose name did you use? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, in verse 8 said, You know, you're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and is being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, verse 10, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation, one of the great verses in Acts is Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. Later on in verse 18, you know, they dismissed Peter and John. says, you know, escort them out. We're going to try to decide what to do with these guys. And after they discuss, we got we to gotta put the lid on this. We got to restrict this. We got to stop this. This is getting out of control. So they brought them back in, and their only plan was, you better not do this anymore. They threatened them. And you know, they already, they already saw what they responded to when they questioned them. They looked at it and says, you know, they don't seem like they're afraid of us. They noticed that they had the courage of Jesus who wasn't afraid of them. And their mentality was, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. We're not going to stop what we're doing. And when they told them, no more, don't, we're teaching in this name. We don't want you to teach it in the name of Jesus anymore. And this is this famous line that says, Rather to obey God rather than man, you decide. But as for us, we can only tell what we know and what we've heard. We're not going to stop. Honestly, I want us to think about the power that is released. 
You know, we had people prayed for, and I know God touched some of these people. If not all of them, because we were responding to the pull of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the, one of the things that I found interesting is when you're praying, there's kind of like two levels of praying. Are you following me? There's the praying that we pray cognitively, and we all learn how to pray somewhere. From our parents, from listening to people. You know, Kevin Heitz was probably one of the neatest persons to listen to him pray. When he was in a staff meeting, I just loved for Kevin. Kevin, you pray. Because Kevin had a, a way of praying that was unique to him. It wasn't patterning anybody I could think of. And I was like, I love to hear. There's, there's different ones that when I'm in a group with some of them, I just love to hear them pray. Because it's different. We pray cognitively. We pray like we, what we know God needs to do, what we want him to do. But I'm going to tell you just what Brad was saying in the spirit. We can shift into a prophetic way of praying. That the words are not coming from here, they're coming through here, but they're not coming through here because you don't even realize what all you're saying when it shifts into that. And that's when we're getting out of the way. I think that's probably one of the biggest deterrents that we have to the power of God working through us is that we get in the way. We put ourselves in like, well, I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm not comfortable talking to them. I'm not comfortable praying for them. And what, what's happening is all the power of God that's bottled up in you is not being allowed to be released. Right. Who knows who can be healed if we just like got a little bit of a revelation from God that the power of God in us can be used by God to do His work in spite of who we are. Right? right. I want our praise team to come back. You have the power of God in you. And the question I ask you, I, I really believe that you cannot really have more of the power of God working in you. But here I think is where the question is answered. Why is it not showing the results? Have you thought about that? Why are we not seeing the results? I think, I think the key goes back to something Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, in, in the book of Matthew, when he said, you worry about this, you worry about that. You know, don't worry about that. What you're going to, how you're going to be clothed and how you're going to be fed and you just kind of get wrapped up in that. He says, don't worry about that. And he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will fall into place. Did he not say that? So sometimes it's what our priorities are. It's what we focus on. It's what we put our energy into. It's what we think about. What we spend time over. Our distractions. You know, one, one of the most uh, qualifying moments with our grandchildren, all of them have their own phone. They're 13, 12, and 9, and they all have their own phone. And I know Brenda's probably saying, don't go there, Papa. But there's hardly any situation more 
urgent, then their device is losing power and somebody has their charger. It is mashing the button of the greatest urgency. Who's got my charger? Then they argue over chargers. That's my charger. No, that's my charger. And I'm thinking, that's where we've gotten to, like 2%. 2% and the world is about to stop. And it just shows you how focused we can be on one thing and not be focused on what we need to be focused on. Would you stand with me? I, I believe every person in this room would like to be able to lay hands on someone and see them healed, right? Prophetically. Would you like to be able to say, Lord, I need to allow your power in me. Start at home. I remember when Nelson White was over in our seniors and he told all of, all of them, get you some anointing oil and start praying over each other. Pray over each other at home. And I thought, when my mom couldn't find cooking oil, she used Crisco. And she slapped some of that on you and prayed for her. She, we didn't have to wait to go to church. She was just praying for you. I mean, we'd have open cuts, and she said, oh, the Lord's going to close that cut up. We're just going to believe God. And she would pray, and the cut would close up, and we didn't go to the doctor. Wouldn't you like to see God do that in your life? I know Chi Alpha is being pulled into the prophetic. From what I'm hearing about Monday night, I've, I've got to crash y'all's Monday night. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go come in incognito so that you know I just try to fit in. I do have some skinny pants. Oh, the hair. I gotta, I gotta shave it off on one side and let the other side grow. She's, she's giving me the no sign. Because she knows how naughty my head is. She doesn't want you seeing the naughtiness of my head. But I'm gonna sneak in. But I do believe, all seriously, that Chi Alpha is stepping into a prophetic time. And they laid hands on people last week on Monday night, and people were healed had a call for healing. This is a call for those who are just wanting to see God do something miraculous in your life, in and through you. Like, I want the Lord to release me, release something in me to where I can believe for the miraculous. And if that's you, I want to just have a closing prayer right up here. And we're going to say, God, release your power in us. Come on, we're going to Make this one plea to the Lord. Help me to get out of the way, Lord. Help me just get out of the way. With my thoughts, my inhibitions, some of you have personalities. That's not you. That's not you to lay hands on people, but God wants you to be an extension of himself. He wants you to be an extension of himself. 